Chapter Ten of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dale Grothman. Louis was right. After they cleared the solar system, there was no trouble getting to Eden, and there was no trouble circumnavigating the globe while still in space. Closer, but still outside the atmosphere in their surveying spiral, they had no trouble in locating the island with the Crystal Palace Mountain at its center. There was only one such spot on Eden, and in their telescope viewer its crystalline spires and minarets sparkled back at them like a diamond set in jade. The trouble began when they hovered over the location, when they amplified their magnification to get a close look at Apple Tree Village before dropping down to land. Louis found the right valley, he said it was the right valley, and he stuck to his claim stubbornly. But there was no settlement there, no sign there had ever been. Louis could see that for himself, they told him. There was nothing but virgin land. The trees were undisturbed and old. There were splashes of rolling meadows, spotted here and there by other trees, untilled meadows sloping downward from the ridges to the river and not a blemish nor scar to show that man had ever landed there fine thing norton chafed him fine navigation louis get us clear across the universe in great shape and then you can't even find the landing field but louis was in no mood for banter he wished tom would go back and hold the manual controls of the ship instead of letting it hover on automatic he wished Cal would go back to his stateroom and think. He wished Frank Norton would shut up. He wished they wouldn't all stand over him, reading his charts over his shoulder. In irritated silence, he reduced the viewscope dimensions to scale and snapped a picture of the whole island. He took a fresh picture, still moist from its self-developing camera, and laid it beside the chart. Wordlessly, for the benefit of all of them he traced his pencil over the outlines of the chart and their duplicates on the picture as in comparing fingerprints he flicked his pencil at the points of identity there were far too many to ignore he poked the point of his pencil at apple tree where it was located on the chart then he picked out the same location in the picture it was not the science of navigation that was wrong it's just one of those dirty tricks life plays on a fellow tom said over cal's shoulder you've got us to the right place louis but probably in the wrong time slot you've warped us right out of our own time and eden hasn't been discovered yet maybe won't be for another million years maybe back on earth man is just discovering fire yeah norton agreed or maybe in the wrong dimension you and your fancy navigation now you might take a midget-digit navigating machine it wouldn't know how to pull such fancy shortcuts take a little longer maybe but when we got there we'd be there they were both talking nonsense and knew it time and dimensional travel were still purely theoretical louis ignored the ribbing with elaborate patience you know what i think he asked seriously i think the whole thing's a hoax I'll bet you there never was any settlement there. I'll bet you the colonists have pulled a wing-ding all the way through. 
There's a whole raft of pictures to show they were here, Frank reminded him. Pictures, Louis answered scornfully. You think they couldn't fake pictures? He thought for a moment. And where's their ship, their escape ship? He asked as a clincher. They didn't like it here and have gone off somewhere else and then covered up by sending reports and pictures on how things would have developed if they'd stayed. There was a sense of unreality in the whole conversation. Cal let the talk flow on, knowing it was a reaction to shock. What if the modern ocean liner pulled into the harbor of New York to find an untouched Manhattan Island in its virgin state? It couldn't happen, therefore it wasn't to be treated seriously. Better set up communications with Earth, Cal said quietly. In e-science, the unpredictable, the incredible, the illogical could happen at any time. With a mind more open to acceptance of this, he had felt the run of shock sooner. For them, the shock impact was delayed since their minds rejected the illogical as unreal. For him, the human shock came at once, and then, as e-thinking took over, passed off. Sure, Cal, Linwood agreed. It was a measure of their acceptance that they had quite normally fallen into using his first name. On the emergency signal, it took less than three minutes to clear through 11 light-years to EHQ, and then 16 minutes for the operator at base to find Bill Hayes. Senior Chief Hayes here, the voice said at last through the speaker. Gray here on the Eden matter, Cal answered. Any other ease available? Hmm, Hayes answered. Wong has picked up on a problem in the Pleiades sector and left this morning. Malenkoff has given out word not to disturb him if the whole universe falls apart. That leaves McGinnis, who, I believe, is spending his time working on the defense against the injunction by Gunderson. An example of the way petty restrictions can bring a fine mind down to trivial problems. But he said call him if you need him. Please, Cal said, and you might stay on while I talk to him if you're not busy. Sure, E. Gray, sure, Hayes answered. I'm flashing the operator to locate McGinnis. Seen anything of the police ship yet? I understand one is following to observe what you do. I'm sure it will be a big help, Cal said dryly. Not that it matters, so long as it doesn't get in the way. McGinnis came on at that point. I'm not yelling for help yet, Cal told him. But here's what it's like at this end. He sketched in the details and heard a sharp gasp at the other end from Hayes. Now I'd like to stay on this problem, he concluded in his brief summary. But somewhere... There's 50 colonists in trouble, because this whole thing is out of focus. I'm not a full E, and maybe their lives are more important than my ambition to do a solo job. Certainly more important. Then, trivial as it is, we'd be playing right into Gunderson's hands if we sent out a boy to do a man's job. Dismiss the Gunderson side of it, McGinnis said dryly. It's inconsequential to the main issue. As for that, I don't know any more than you do. There's never been anything like this. Colonists have been wiped out on other planets, sure, but what happened left traces. This one is an oddball, and I'd say you're as well equipped to handle it as anybody else. 
I don't understand this at all, Hayes said in a worried voice. Who does? Cal answered. I'd say set up for continuous communications. I'll leave it wide open here so that everything we say will come through. Then, if anything should happen to us, you'll have a record up to that point. It's the only thing we can do, Hayes agreed. If you think I should come down there to stand by, I'll do it, McGinnis said. But the tone of his voice said he hoped Cal would shoulder the full responsibility, not weaken out of the chance at a real solo. I'm not crying uncle yet, Cal said, but I may take you up on your offer. I hope not. But do you know anything is wrong, Hayes said incredulously. He was having the same trouble facing the reality as the ship's crew. If you are flying from Los Angeles and found only desert where the city was supposed to be, you might assume something was wrong, Cal answered dryly. But I don't know what it is. Do you have a recorder set up so that I can try and find out? Yes, yes, E. Gray, Hayes said hurriedly. He was suddenly conscious that he had been interrupting an E. conversation, not once, but several times. Pardon the intrusion. It was just that. I understand, Cal reassured him. When Cal stood up from the communicator, the eyes of the crew were on him. Overhearing his conversation with Earth had sobered them, made reality come closer. You think it might be a mirage? Tom asked. Some freak air current reflecting from another island and superimposing over this one? Then he answered himself, No, I guess that isn't it. There aren't enough discrepancies. Let's pan down to the ground with a scanner, Cal said. Take it slow over the area where the village is supposed to be. Glad to be doing something with his hands, Linwood twisted the controls to take them instantly, in magnification, to a distance slightly above the tops of the trees. The automatic pilot caused the ship to drift with the rotation of the planet keeping them in fixed relative position. They scanned the ground rod by rod. There were expanses of heavy tree and bush growth that they could not penetrate. Some of these trees grew where the pictures showed cleared fields, buildings, truck farms, cattle pastures. Those big trees didn't grow up in a month since the last colonist report, Louis said positively. He still clung to his belief that it was all a hoax. Cal made no comment. He was intent on the scanner screen. There were heavy foliage spots, but there were also bare areas covered by a soft, springy turf and patches of wildflowers. But there was no sign of man or his works. There was not so much as a board, the glint of a nail, not a furrow, not even the scar of a campfire. There was no indication that there had ever been. In the sandy patches along the banks of the small meandering river, there was not even a footprint. They swept the scanner down the valley. Wait a minute, Cal said. There are some cows and horses. He held the scanner fixed while he studied the animals. In two small herds, the animals grazed contentedly near a patch of woods. We're in the right time spot, then, Tom said, with an attempt to pick up the spirit of treating it lightly. They've been here, 
else the cows and horses wouldn't be funny thing about those horses frank commented in a puzzled voice i grew up on a farm those are work horses but field horses always have harness marks on them where the hair gets rubbed off or the skin gets calloused if they use these horses for work there ought to be a collar or hammus rubs on their necks there ought to be worn streaks left by the traces on their sides there isn't far as the evidence shows they might have been wild all their lives whatever happened didn't seem to hurt them any cal agreed he swept the scanner down the valley to the sandy shore of the sea they were close enough to pick up the brown streaks of beached seaweed a flock of shorebirds were busy running up the sand away from the gentle beaching waves then following the waterline back down to dig their beaks into the soft wet sand for food the birds showed no alarm no sign of lurking presence near them cal brought the scanner back up the valley and over to one of the ridges bordering it high on the crest of the ridge the undergrowth was less luxuriant than down in the valley and it was there they caught their first glimpse of a human being he was hunkered down behind some rocks at the crest peering over them at the valley below from the shape of his shoulders and back the set of his head they knew it to be a man as far as they can tell he had no clothes on apparently they had caught him at the moment of his arrival at the crest they watched him turn his head as he looked quickly then searching up and down the valley they watched his hand come up to shade his eyes against the light from seti as he attempted to see into the dark patches of foliage where the village ought to be what he saw or did not see seemed to stun him he squatted as frozen as a statue for long moments then on hands and knees they saw him back away from the crest now they saw he did not wear even so much as a breechcloth when the height of the ridge concealed him from the other side he sprang to his feet and began to run zigzagging in the manner of an obstacle runner to avoid the bushes looks like they've decided to make a nudist colony out of it linwood commented and fake the pictures so nasty-minded old earth people wouldn't come out to break it up louis persisted then why would he be so scared frank asked notice the patch of bare dirt he's crossing cal asked see the little spurts of dust when he puts his feet down now look behind him the three crewmen leaned closer to look over his shoulder at the scanning screen cal adjusted it minutely to get a sharp focus on the ground no footprints linwood exclaimed he didn't leave any footprints the three of them looked at cal wide-eyed cal didn't like what he saw in louis's eyes the habitual irritation and annoyance with life's little petty tricks was gone the look had been replaced with fear and something more end of chapter 10 of eight keys to eden by mark clifton read by dale grothman